When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome to the MMA Roasted Podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter. I'm here solo with you guys. Uh, uh, we got a great show. We got we got Phil Baroni calling in with an epic story. Uh, we got Raquel Pennington on the show. Uh, Sean McCorkle is going to be on the show. And Sierra Bahudazara. I hope I didn't just butcher that last name. I probably did. But he will be on the show. Um, a great lineup. Uh, we'll talk about the fights last week. Uh, Shields versus Maya. I think what we realize when you get American uh, jiu-jitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you put the entire world to sleep. Um, it, you know what? I mean, who was look? Jake Shields is a boring fighter, but I respect Jake Shields. I will watch any fight Jake Shields has. You know, but he's not—he's not a puncher. He doesn't have a great stand-up, but he will beat you with wrestling and grinding and submissions. And that's—I thought he won the fight. It was a very close fight. Whether it, I don't think it maybe should have been the main event, but uh, but it was a great fight. I, it was a it was a great. The whole card was good. Uh, the 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 Dong Kim fight was oh my god, I mean that was the most explosive Dong I've seen in a while. I couldn't believe it. He was he was getting he was getting rocked by Silva. He came back. You know what I like about that fight though is that Dong King after the Dong King Dong Kim Dong King Dong King only in America. Uh, Dong Kim uh, said after the fight it was a lucky punch. And to me, that's I'm a bigger fan now because most guys don't admit that. They go, yeah, you know, that was my tactic. Uh, it was a rope-a-dope or it was, I was wearing him down. He flatly said it was a lucky punch. And I will, I respect that. I, you know, he, he came off a, a victory against Sear. He just beat Eric Silva, you, you know. And the thing about, about MMA that's better than, you know, football and basketball or uh, even baseball, you're down by nine runs in baseball. You're not just going to – there's no home run to win it, you know. You're down by 30 points in basketball. There's no 31-point shot. You're down by five touchdowns in football. There's no – but in MMA, even if you're getting rocked, there's always a chance you can come back. And we've seen that in the uh, Okami fight when Okami lost uh, when when uh, you know when Okami lost to uh, who was it uh, the guy from the guy from Maine uh, who's the guy that beat Okami you know what I'm talking about Tim Boach when Tim Boach came back in the third round we just saw it uh, with uh, with Don Kim you, you never know and that's what makes the sport so amazing and so hard to pick too because I would have picked like I mean you would if you if you were betting on that fight going into that that uh, it was the third round he knocked him out or second round. Uh, but it was, uh, you would have been like, okay, Silva's got this in the bag. But you never know. Uh, obviously, we got to talk about the whole uh, Paul Harris thing. You know, at first, when I first saw it, I thought maybe they were being too hard on Paul Harris because uh, Pierce was tapping the ref. But then, after uh, actually reading Ben Folk's article about it and after watching it a little closer, he was tapping the ref, but he, he first tapped Paul Harris and then, this is the third time this has happened. Not to mention he got caught with drugs. I think you have to let a guy go. It's a third time it happened. And 
You can't have a guy going in there. You know, Pierce is out for six months now, holding on to, you know, one time, even two times, three times, you, you got you to let go of that guy. Uh, Paul Harris's manager, Alex Davis, said he does it subconsciously. Uh, <laughs> that's not really a good defense for this. Uh, I'm sorry. Subconsciously, I hit on fat chicks uh, because I think maybe I can get a fat chick. Or maybe I do that consciously. But either way, um, you don't hold on to a hold longer than you should subconsciously. It's a conscious thing. It's, you don't. Do, he says he spaces out. And not to mention his old trainer, uh, Bustamante, said they threw him out of the gym for hurting people. When your old trainer comes out and says that about you, that's never a good sign. Well, I mean, come on. Come, uh, you know, the guy holds on to fighters more than Bjorn Rebney. By the way, speaking of which, you know, look, I like Bellator. I, I'm going to order the Rampage Tito pay-per-view. I, I will watch Bellator. I'll watch anything. I'll watch RFA. I'll watch CFA. I'll watch Bellator. I'll watch, you know, I used to watch Strikeforce. I'll watch UFC. I, I watch fighting. I'm a fighting fan. And there are great fighters in every organization. You know, like, I mean, uh, Henry uh, Sejudo, who's a gold medalist, is, was just fought in the CFA last week, or I think it was the CFA, or RFA, or whatever. He fought in something, uh, a, a smaller tier of fighting. You know, Lance Palmer is a, a guy who's, who's coming up. There's great fighters in every organization. But if a guy wants to go and leave your organization, let him go. I mean, Askren wants to leave, wants to go to the UFC. The UFC wants Ben Askren. It's not, to me, it's just, come on, Bjorn. Like, like, let the guy, I understand it's a competitive, it's a contract thing. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the exact contract. But I would just think, if a guy wants to leave, just let him go. That's, that's my two cents. Obviously, I'm not a business major. And, uh, you know, people probably feel differently. But I would like to see Ben Askren in the UFC. Because, you know, I want to see what he can do. Um, Bjorn says he'll only let him go if he gets an immediate title shot which is not going to happen. They're not going to put him against the winner of GSP Hendricks. This is not, you know, especially when a guy like, you know, uh, Hector Lombard, who, you know, I, 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 I'm not disrespecting Hector Lombard, but he's not, he was what, like 27-0 and 0 going into the UFC. He was undefeated in Bellator. He was knocking people out left and right. And so far, he's 1-2 in the UFC. He, he knocked out Paul Harris, but he's, he lost to Okami. He lost to Boach. So just because you're dominant in... Bellator does not mean you're going to be dominant in the UFC. A couple good fights uh, that might go on. Bisbing said he will fight Nick Diaz on Twitter. I would love to see that fight, just for the trash talk alone. Who wins that fight? I don't know. It's a tough fight. You can't really bet against either of those guys because they're both... I mean, Bisbing, his last fight, he beat Alan Belcher. Uh, you could argue he beat Chael. Uh, he's, you know, he beat Mayhem, you know, back when... Uh, a lot of people were picking Mayhem for that fight. You know, and Nick Diaz, his only two losses are to GSP, who everyone loses to, and to Condit, which you could argue he beat Condit. It's a tough fight. You know, Bisbing has fought bigger guys. He fought the Brian Stans of the world. He's fought the, the Chales, you know. He fought bigger dudes. So I, I, would, I would lean to think that Bisbing, especially with Bisbing's new takedown defense and his new, he's actually getting much better at wrestling, I would lean to say that he would, he would beat Nick Diaz. But... Can Nick Diaz lure him into a trash-talking thing where they're going shot for shot? If they go shot for shot, I got to think that Diaz has better boxing and better jiu-jitsu. So, great fight. Uh, over the weekend, Fallon Fox, Fallon Fox, Fallon, Fo Fallon Fox lost uh, to my friend Ashley Evans, who came on our show. Uh, 
I give Ashley a lot of credit. She's a friend of mine. She's a really cool girl. Uh, she's, she bartends at night. She coaches wrestling during the day. You know, and she's a girl who, um, you know, she tried out for the Ultimate Fighter and she made it through, but then didn't get on the show for some reason or whatnot. Because you know, I don't know, I don't know why exactly she didn't get on, but she, but she, but she didn't get on that show. She, you know, here's a girl that got knocked out in five seconds in an amateur fight. Five seconds they stopped the fight, and you know. When someone gets knocked out in five seconds, especially, you know, I would think, especially if you're a girl, a lot of people are telling you, maybe this is not for you. Maybe you should quit. Maybe this is not your career. Five seconds is a very quick time. But she didn't listen to people. She went in there. She, she continued it. She worked her ass off. She trains her ass off. And she beats Fallon Fox, which a lot of people were picking. You know what? I knew Ashley was going to win. First of all, I told her that if I could take her down, she owes me a handy. But that's a whole different situation. But, uh... I, I had a feeling she was going to win because she's a college wrestler and Fallon Fox has no wrestling experience. Fallon Fox's last fight looked terrible. In fact, the, the girls that she's only beaten have been, they've had losing records. Now, uh, so I had, you know, anytime you have a girl wrestle in college, right now, in the, it was just kind of the beginning stages of women's MMA. It's not the beginning, beginning, but it's sort of newer. You know, these girls who are wrestling in college, the Misha Tates, the Kat Zinganos, the, the, the Ashley Evans, the Carla Esparzas, the um, Sarah McMahons, you're going to dominate in MMA if you're a women's college wrestler. Because that training is four years, nine months out of the year, five days a week. Those practices are killer. And you're going to have a, a, an advantage over girls who are just kind of getting into it. Now... You know, I make Fallon Fox jokes, and the people sometimes people get, people get mad. Look, my theory in comedy is make fun of everybody, and it's MMA roasted. Fallon Fox is an MMA fighter. Fallon Fox has a lot of balls. No, now Fallon Fox to me has guts. Anybody that steps into the octagon or the cage or whatever ring, I have so much respect for. I don't do it, okay, and I respect people that do. Whether you're Fallon Fox, whether you're an amateur, whether you're, you know, UFC, uh, uh, who, who, who's, you know, whether you're, you've had no, it was your first fight or you've had a hundred fights. I respect you for stepping in the octagon, stepping in the cage. You have the utmost respect. And to me, also, as a comedian, I try to make fun of everybody, whether you're straight, gay, black, white, Latino, Arabic, whatever. You, you try to treat everyone equally across the board because that's how you when 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 you're leaving people out to me that's real prejudice you're going you're not good enough to be made fun of so i made a couple fallon fox jokes okay they're all coming from a good place i have nothing against transgender people uh gay people anything i have nothing against anybody okay do what you got to do however that being said i'm not sure if a guy gets an operation and gets his 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 penis chopped off and then becomes a woman or was a woman the whole time in their head i saw some kind of special on o or something uh and then wants to fight women who have been women the whole time is really fair i'm not a scientist i don't know the verdict is out i don't i don't know i don't know if that's fair or not it seems a little awkward it seems like there should be a transgender lead division, like Transvicta or Transgenda or, or the TFC. Or, you know, there should be something where there's just transgender fighters. And then maybe there's just trans, there's post-op fighters, a post-op division, a, a pre-op. I would watch that. Put that on TV. I will watch that. I think it'll be a hit. 
I think that might be my new thing. I might just quit this and just start my own transgender. But no, so that's that's my uh, my take on that. But I'm happy Ashley won. Uh, Fallon Fox, I think, was getting a lot of uh, she was getting a lot of publicity, but. I never thought she was that great of a fighter. Even the highlights, she was good. I only saw highlights of her first couple fights, and she was teeing off on people. But anybody, you know, it's like anything else. You see these guys with their records are twenty-seven and zero, or eighty-four and zero, or but they have. But then you go on Sherdog and you look at who they've beat, and they beat guys that were one and eleven, or or zero and fifteen, or or four and four and twenty, and you're like, okay, I'm not saying I could beat those guys, but it's not as impressive as a guy like. Nick Diaz, whose losses are to GSP and uh, arguable against Carlos Condit. You know what I'm saying? It's not that. Th- that's, that's all I'm saying about that. All right. Uh, another thing. Uh, so Conor McGregor, who I'm a fan of, I think Conor McGregor is a, a riot. Uh, on Twitter, someone asked if you had one day to live and you wanted to have a threesome, or who would you pick, Ronda or Misha? And he said he'd have a, a, a threesome, and then he was kind of graphic in his description of it, and then had to apologize about it. Here's where I have a problem with it. Number one, you, you, if you're a fighter, you, you know, those, are your, those are your colleagues. You can't really be saying stuff like that. You do have, there is a sort of appropriateness, if, if you're a fighter, to be saying stuff like that. However, if you do say what he said in a Irish accent, it's really funny. It's, it's always funnier. It's like, yeah, I'd have one on the blah blah blah. blah. I, I I can't do an Irish accent, but it is. Yeah, you just you. I just you know you put Lucky Charms at the end. But here's why I have a problem with that threesome. Okay, it would go terrible. Look, I've had threesomes in my life. Uh, I've had you know six or seven, and some of them great. They're only great really when the girls are friends with each other. Rhonda and Misha would be the worst threesome in the world because they would start fighting immediately. What would happen was one would be like, you'd be making out with with Rhonda and Misha would be like, you can't even make out. And then all of a sudden she'd be like, oh, you don't think I can make out? Edmund, Rhonda, Misha said I can't make out. And then Edmund would come in and be like, dude, she's better at making out than do you know who I am, bro? And then... And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, what's his name? Dennis Hallman would show up in a Speedo and start fighting with Edmund, and you'd be there by yourself in the corner. That's, it would be the worst threesome ever. So that's where I have a problem with that statement. You get, it would be a very competitive threesome. It would end up with Rhonda giving Misha the finger and not the kind of finger that, that you'd want on a threesome. It, it would just be, it would just go rough. It, it would go bad. So you got to think about these things before you, Connor. Because it's not that thought out, so that's my uh, that's my my, uh, my my take on the Ronda threesome. Now, um, as far as this week's fight, I have Cain Velasquez beating Dos Santos. I think it's going to be a f- three rounds to two, four rounds to one fight. I think Dos Santos is going to be smarter in this fight. Dos Santos, by the way, I met him. I was in San Diego doing a gig, and I saw Dos Santos coming out. I think of Alliance, or he was training somewhere with these huge Brazilian guys, and I, I wanted to get a picture. And I'm like, hey, man, Dos Santos, can I get a picture with you? And it was one of those things where I gave someone the camera. You ever give someone the camera and they go to take a picture and then, like, it doesn't work and you're just standing there for an extra, like, five minutes longer than you want it to be? And then it's just awkward and you get your hand around the guy, another guy. And then I'm, this is, I got my hand around Dos Santos and I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry about this. This is awkward. And he's like, no, man, it's cool. The guy could not have been nicer. He's like a gentle giant. One of those guys that makes just a, Super nice, cool guy, and uh, and, and I'm, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Dos Santos. That being said, he went on the uh, Ariel Hawani show um, 
which is a great show. I have uh, you know nothing but cool things to say about Ariel Hawani. I met him; he's a nice guy. Um, but so he went on a Hawani show and said he could beat both Klitschko brothers. Now, what is it about MMA guys before their big fights that are calling out boxers? First, it was uh, first it was uh, Anderson Silva saying he wants to box Roy Jones, and then we saw how that well against Weidman. Then it was John Jones saying he wants to fight Klitschko, and you could argue that Gustafson beat him. It was probably the most, the worst Jones has looked. I mean, it was the most human he's looked. It was, he he's a great fighter. He he it was a great fight, but he wasn't as dominant as he usually is. He took more abuse in that fight than he's ever taken in his entire career. And now Dos Santos, who should be thinking of the guy who beat the crap out of him, made him look like the guy from the Goonies in the last fight, Sloth, but instead he's saying he wants to box both Klitschko brothers. First of all, the Klitschko brothers, as much as I, you know, I support MMA, that would not end well. It would, Klitschko brothers would knock out Dos Santos. Any kind of, you're talking about a different sport. It's a different science. It's One guy's... Klitschko's, uh, Dos Santos is working on his jujitsu, his wrestling, his boxing, his judo, his all kind, and his Muay Thai. Klitschko's just boxing. And that's all he's been doing. And he wants to box him? Like, are, are you nuts? I, I don't understand that. I think that uh, doesn't make any sense. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. So, and then finally, uh, somebody on the underground, by the way, pointed out, by the way, the underground's. Uh, at first, when I put my videos up there, I was getting killed. People were telling me I was the worst comic and don't go to Riverside and I suck and, and threatening me. And, and now, after a year and a half of posting videos, I'm getting, hey, man, thank you and, and great stuff. And any, any comedy advice, it's nice to, to not get abused in, in, uh, in forums. Because as much as I you know, don't want to take it personal, you know, I'm only a human being, and I, you know, I'm trying my hardest. That's, that's all I can say. That's all you can do. And I, and I respect anybody who tries their hardest. Like, you know, even guys like Bloodstain Lane who go out there and, and make videos. And, and anybody that goes out there and tries, I give credit to. That, that's, that's, that you gotta, you know, it's the people that just sit back and just, and just commentate and criticize. It's like that, there's no talent in that. But as long as you try, that's all that really matters, man. Just try. So anyway, somebody pointed out the Frank Mir curse, which is everybody who beats Frank Mir loses in their next fight. Junior Dos Santos lost to Kane. Carwin lost to Lesnar. Lesnar beat Frank Mir, uh, and then everybody who beats Mir loses. Uh, Lesnar beat Mir, but then almost lost to Carwin. And then it goes back even further of Vera lost to Sylvia, and Cruz lost to Arvlaski, and Ian Freeman lost to Arvlaski as well. So there is a Frank Mir curse going around. Now, I hope Daniel Cormier beats Roy Nelson. I want to see Cormier versus uh, John Jones. I think that's the next fight. I like Cormier. He called in. The guy's been through hell and back. And, uh, and he's an inspiration. So I hope he wins. But there might be some truth to this Frank Mir curse, which, uh, which we'll find out on Saturday night. So uh, that's all I got to say. We got some great interviews coming up. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to these people. I hope they're great anyway. I'm looking forward to these pe- talking to these people. Uh, thank you guys uh, for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Hello? Hey, is this for Kel Pennington? Hey, how's it going? This is Adam Hunter. You're on the MMA Roasted Podcast. How's it going? I'm doing good. How are you doing? 
I'm doing pretty good. You, see, you sound very sexy on the phone, by the way. You have a very good voice. For, <laughs> Thanks. I just want to let you know. I'm a big fan. Great fight with Jessamine. Oh, my God. That was an amazing fight. Uh, yeah, it was a... It was a war, I'd actually say, not even a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, were you surprised she was able to kind of walk through some of your punches? I mean, not walk through them, but she was able to uh, stay up while after you hit her? You know, I was very surprised. I actually expected Justin to take the fight to the ground. We, um, we kind of had our game plan for me to just stand up and bang with her, and when she tried to get that clinch or um, at in the first round of the fight when she kind of, like, wrapped around my head where it looked like she was going to get a guillotine, uh, I've seen her in previous fights where she's kind of done that, and it wears out her opponents, and then she'll pull guard or whatnot and go from there. So, I mean, we kind of just expected it to go to the ground, and when she just stayed standing with me, I was like, what in the world? It kind of threw me off a little bit, but it was exciting. Were you? Uh, how tight was that guillotine? Um, it was nothing to be worried about. I mean, she just pretty much had her arm wrapped around me, and her fist kind of sat in my neck. It wasn't... It wasn't like she was really trying to pull it too much. Right. Uh, I think she kind of putting more pressure on me than anything. Yeah, no, it was, uh, that fight was awesome. I mean, I, obviously, I gave I gave her the first round slightly. I gave, you You definitely heard her in the second round, you know. I, I, I was surprised she even uh, lasted at, at, like, the end because you were just going off. You know, it seemed like you, it seemed like she was dropping her left and you were catching her with that overhand right all the time. Yeah, it was just kind of, um, I mean... The whole fight, it just seemed like I felt like I was headhunting because the way she just kept dropping her hands so I could just keep catching her face over and over and over. Um, and the way she kind of, like, hunched down a little bit. I mean, being so tall, I didn't feel like she completely used her reach. Right. So I felt like it was better for me to go to the face than more to her body because, I mean, with her long legs and everything, she could have kicked me or done something crazy as I went to go hit for her body. I think I could have threw some more uppercuts and whatnot in the fight. But, I mean, one thing that I'm actually very proud of myself for is because I faced a lot of things in that fight with Justin uh, that I just kind of questioned it, how it would be if I got cut, how it would be if I took an injury, like different things like that, how it would be to actually stand and bang full-blown with somebody. Um, and, I mean, all those questions were answered. In the first round, I hurt my hand. Uh, I actually broke my hand in the fight. Oh, wow. So it was just kind of like I got to fight through that. Um and then from Justin's long legs and kicking me, uh, blocking my forearm, took a pretty good injury. And, it was, I mean, it was just different things. It was, a, it was a very fun fight. It felt very intense. I couldn't move the next day. <laughs> no, I couldn't move the next day. I mean, that's how good of a fight <laughs> it, was. Uh, it was. It was a war. Uh, and, you know, I, I was, uh, were you surprised after the, afterwards? Because um, I, I, I saw the next uh, uh, Ultimate Fighter, that uh, the, the one coming out t uh, tomorrow, which will be yesterday by the time this airs. But um, Dana said to you, if you let your hands go, you'll win the whole, the whole show. Were you surprised at him saying that? Or do you agree with him? Or? Um, I was very surprised. Uh, I guess you can say throughout this whole time that I've been doing this sport, I mean, so many people, my family, friends, all my teammates, new people that I've come across, everybody that's just seen me perform or just train, um, especially training, I can go in there and tear people up and just, I mean, I, I'm relaxed, I'm comfortable, I'm going to town, just doing my thing, and it's like when I get into the cage, I always freeze, like, I'm a slow starter when it comes to the first round, or just different things, and I've never able been able to completely perform. 
No, I was so, actually I mean, shocked because I, I I looked at your record afterwards because I was like, this girl's got to be undefeated, you know. I mean, she and then you were three and three, and I was like, what? How is this girl three and three? You know? Yeah, I've actually uh, I've taken some pretty crazy fights. I mean, I've fought people all within the top twenty in the world and stuff. Uh, there's never really been a fight that I've just they've been like, hey, here you go, you want to fight this? And I was like, no. Um, I believe that we all turn for the same thing. And so, I mean, I've just always taken on the challenge. Um, most of my losses, too, I mean, they were all to decision. They were all very close fights. But um, as far as, like, when... And then you, also fought that, Kat, I mean, you also fought Cat Zingano. I mean, that, 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 you know, that's not an easy fight yeah. for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but um, when Dana told me that, I mean, I think that's just kind of the rest that I needed. I mean, you have the big man that just tells you, look... And exactly how it is, how he feels about things, and it's pretty much everything that everybody's been saying to you. And I guess before it was just kind of like, okay, you're my family, of course you're going to tell me that, or you're my teammates, and I'm the only chick that trains with you. I would always find something in it. And then now all of a sudden I come onto the Ultimate Fighter, I have the whole team of Misha Tate telling me things like that, and then all of a sudden after mine and Justin's war, I have Dana White telling me that, and I was just like, okay, you know what, Raquel, maybe you should probably accept it and. <laughs> Just be comfortable with it. Yeah, no, it seems that uh, I, I I was, you know, I, I actually agree with him. I, I think, you know, I think that you're the favorite now um, to win the whole thing, um, which is, well, that's good. you know, which has got to be, which has got to be some kind of pressure on you in, in like some way, because you always want to kind of be the underdog in some, I, I, you know, personally, but from that last fight, I was like, holy <laughs> But um, so a couple things. Um First of all, uh, I was I I was a little surprised that when you said that you were a, a lesbian, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say you're definitely my type of girl. So um, I was a little I was a little heartbroken. I gotta say because you 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 are you know. But uh, according to Anthony, after the, uh, the 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 party when he came on the podcast, you and Shayna might have gotten a room and hooked up. Is there any truth to that? Oh my goodness, no. Anthony and Cody, they always. Because, I mean, me and Shayna, like, me being a lesbian or whatever, and I'm open, and Shayna having her ways about life and whatnot, I mean, for one, we just knew each other before going on to the show, and then we were just close. We'd hang out all the time, and, I mean, we're pretty much like twins. We just really understand each other, so we were really close. And, of course, guys, they're like, oh, lesbians and blah, 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 so they ran away with it, and they were Cody was like, it's okay, it's okay to be lovers, and... They were always just trying to get us to hook up or teasing us in different ways and whatnot, but it's nothing like that with me and Shayna. I actually, my girlfriend's back home. She's actually my fiance. We've been together since I was in high school for seven years and whatnot. Okay, so that so that's you. You heard it here, people. You and Shayna did not go get a room. So uh, that's yeah. that's that's <laughs> breaking news. Uh, so how long have you had now? What, what what does your fiance do? Um, she's actually a medical assistant. Oh, wow. Smart. I try to convince her to get into fighting. I mean, I wrestle with her every night at home, and she's a little scrappy thing, but it, she's like, I want to do it, and then I'll take her to the gym, and she gets all stray. Well, you guys wrestle at home? What, you guys, like, like get naked and have wrestling matches? What do you mean you guys? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's for me to know. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. That, that's, that's crazy. All right, so now you said that your mom uh, your, your mom was upset when you, when, you, when you came out of the closet, uh, but your dad was... You know, I was thinking about that. I was, I was putting myself in, in your dad's shoes, right? And I'm thinking, like, it's got to be hard to have a kid come out of the closet. Obviously, I would want my kid to be happy if he's, if he's gay, if he's straight. You want your kid to be happy, you know? 
But of if course. my but if my daughter said, "Okay, I'm a lesbian," I'd be like, you know, I'd be okay. That's that's a hard life, but you know what? You know, you got to do what you got to do as long as you're happy. But then if she said, "I'm a fighter," I'd be so pumped. I'd be like, "Oh, that's that's great." That's, I mean, was your dad excited that you were a fighter? I mean, what? How did how did that how did that go down exactly? It was actually kind of vice versa. It was weird. Um, me and my dad really didn't have the closest relationship, and when it came to me coming out of the closet and whatnot, and my mom not being able to handle it. Uh, she turned to my dad a lot, so that's kind of what built built our relationship up. And he would just always kind of make the jokes about he has his two little boys, or we can go checking out girls, or just different things. I mean, he was always being a goofball about it. And then when it came to my fight career, he was just like, "You're gonna fight," and he always kind of made his comments like questioning me on why I was gonna do it and whatnot. But um. It's funny. He's the one that showed me MMA. We, I went to go visit him in Florida, and we're hanging out one night, and he's like, check out these chicks. And he's all, it was when Gina Carano and Tanya Evinger were fighting each other. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, it's MMA. And so we were all talking about it and stuff. And then I turned around and joined the sport, and he's like, are you insane? But <laughs> as I'm going further in it, and I think now everything that he sees I'm doing, he's finally understanding like my passion and everything behind it. But at first he was just kind of like, if you lose a fight, you should just quit. It was like, it was retarded. Well, no, I mean, it must have been hard for you growing up. You're having a mom that's not that supportive of your lifestyle, and then your father doesn't want you to be a fighter. I, I give you a lot of credit. I mean, that's that's hard. It was hard. I mean, it has its battles and stuff, but I've just always been the type of person that I'm very strong-minded and strong-willed. I always stand up for what I want and do what I want as long as I'm having fun with it. I don't tell anybody else how to live their life, and I don't think that they should tell me how to live my life. And I mean... I do have a great family. I've grown up in a very, very supportive family. Every sport that I've ever played, every game that I've ever been in, my family, and I'm not talking just like my mom and dad. I'm talking my grandparents, my Nina and Nino, all my cousins and stuff. I mean, we go to everybody's cross-country meet, basketball game, and whatnot, and support each other all those nights and stuff. So, so I've always had a big support group. It just it made it hard um, with the situation between me and my mom because I remember... There was one time that we did, it was when I first came out, we got into a huge fight and I was going into a big basketball game and I was the one that was just being kind of stubborn and stuff, fighting with her because all I wanted her to do was accept me. So I told her I didn't want her at my game and to sit there and look up in the bleachers and not see my mom, I mean, it crushed me, but really she never missed a game. She sat on the other side up in the very corner and she just watched me and still supported me. We just had our struggles when it came to like, our relationship and being close and her actually trying to understand my situation. Right. Now, where are you from again? Colorado. Colorado. So so you did you grow up uh wrestling at all or was I mean did was there any background and I mean you you went and saw the Gina Carano Tana, which is funny because Tanya tried out for the show and didn't make it, you know, which is crazy that you that was the first time you've ever seen MMA. When was the first time you walked into a uh, gym? Um, about seven years ago when I first started sport, I mean, I, uh, I just kind of always grew up doing basketball, volleyball, softball, running cross country. I wrestled with all my cousins, fought with all the guys in the neighborhood, would play tackle, uh, football on the pavement and just always get roughed up. Um, just grew up being a huge tomboy. My best friend, which is, uh, her dad is actually my boxing coach. He, um, his sons are professional boxers and we would go down in the basement, throw on the boxing gloves and just beat each other up and act all crazy. Um, and I always told my parents I wanted to do boxing, but they told me no. So it was just kind of something, I mean, just being a kid, being all roughed up and whatnot. And then 
throughout high school, everybody was just uh, all the teachers and stuff and the wrestling coach. They were like, come do wrestling, come do wrestling. And I was like, you must be crazy. Like, I'm a basketball player, and I just wanted to do basketball. I mean, that's where my heart was at. I wanted to go to WNBA and whatnot. And then after I took my um, – after I broke my back in snowboarding and I wasn't able to take any uh, athletic scholarships, so I just took an academic scholarship, I just kind of was like, okay, you know, I need something different to get in shape. And I started doing, like, CrossFit. I always did powerlifting and whatnot. So then I started doing CrossFit and just different things. And then I seen MMA. And it was kind of more of a joke at first to my mom just because she wouldn't let me do boxing. And then it just turned really serious. I just fell in love with it the first day of practice. I mean, I was in there and I was just like, I love challenges. And it was just constantly challenging me. That's amazing. Uh and that's really amazing that you did that with no like formal background. That's that's incredible, and that you've, you've come so far. Um, now, you knew you were a lesbian right off the bat, or was there ever uh, did you ever hook up with guys first and then sort of cross over? Um, I had a boyfriend for a while growing up. We were together for almost three years, and then I was with another guy for uh, close to two years. But it was just kind of like I don't know something didn't. <laughs> Like always, feel right. I mean, it was just. You think maybe those guys just along, didn't, didn't know what they huh? were doing? You know, maybe you think those guys didn't know what they were doing and just. <laughs> <laughs> Making them tilt things. Um, no, it wasn't that. It was just uh, I just connected with them more. Like I connected with all the guys around the neighborhood, just being friends and everything else, having fun and whatnot. Um, and I remember I was dating this one guy, and while we were together, I mean. My first girlfriend or my first interaction with a girl was actually my best friend that I grew up with. And it was just like I had my boyfriend, but then we were like behind closed doors, just kind of hanging out and experimenting. And that's when I just discovered like exactly where I stood. And then I ended up with my girlfriend. Wow. And I've been with her since. Now, when like your boyfriend found out that you left him for a girl, was he like shocked or turned on? I mean, was he pissed? What? Uh, he was a little heartbroken, yeah. and he was just like, what did I do wrong? What have I done wrong? Like, I've been nothing but good to you, and I'm like, it's nothing that you've done, like, and I'm not trying to hurt you. I just, I mean, I got to do what makes me happy, and I just don't feel like my complete self with you. Yeah. No, I've, I've had a girl leave me for a girl, and, uh, you know, but part of me was, like, kind of honored in a way. I mean, if you're, I guess if you're going to leave me, might as well do it for something that I like, too, you know, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Now I gotta ask you some some stuff about the, about some of the stuff that's going on. Um, now, how annoying was Anthony in the house? You know, everybody in the house, they were. I mean, we all got along great, but everybody had their moments. I think, to a certain degree, some people got on each other's nerves and whatnot. Uh, Anthony was just—he was very outspoken, and he. A lot of people said that he acted immature, making all his noises, doing whatever he would do, just the way he would talk, always hitting on the girls or. Whatever, but I mean, to a certain degree, I mean, with me growing up with nothing but guys, that I got along with them just fine. Yeah, when it, it came to the night that I did my weight cut and he was making all that noise, I was really upset and frustrated because I mean, um, I just dropped my weight and everything. I'm dehydrated. I'm hungry. All I wanted was a good night's rest, and he's out there just making all kinds of noise, throwing poker chips at my door, jumping on my bed, uh, pulling me off the bed. Just, oh God! It was one thing after another, and it was just like. You know how when people get drunk and you're not that drunk person with them, yeah. that you don't find it very funny? That's my whole childhood that was one right of those there. <laughs> it seemed like Sarah Morass uh, liked yeah. him, though. It seemed like she was into him. 
Um, yeah, she was. I think by the end of the show, everybody was just kind of digging each other. <laughs> like, everybody, it just felt like everybody was, like, flirting in different directions, all the guys with all the girls and whatnot. And Did anybody hook um, up? What was that? Did anybody hook up, actually, or have sex, or was there any... Gotta keep watching. Oh, God. Same, same <laughs> answer. Now, now Shana said Juliana gave Josh a lap dance... And that it turned everyone off or something. It, it, it drove everyone crazy. Were you there? Um, I don't recall her doing that at all. Oh, okay. So that's that's that didn't happen or something. No. no, it seemed like everyone was mad at Juliana in the house. That's what that's um, the consensus. You know, there was a lot of tension uh, with Juliana. I mean, she's not a bad person, and when it came to me and her, she was my roommate for the most part. We. I try to get along with her, but I just think that we have different personalities. So, I mean, sometimes we wouldn't click and whatnot. She's kind of, I wouldn't really know how to put her. She comes off as, like, very insecure about herself, and you can tell her, like, the truth about herself, but she'll always question it. And then, I don't know if you heard, what was it, the second episode with Chris Beal and uh, Holdsworth when they were going to fight, and she... Uh, Misha brought her that shake, and she would talk in her baby voice and yeah. like just scream and make all. That's what she did on a daily basis. Oh, uh, like the British accent and the baby voice, and yeah, it was the baby voice and just one thing after another. So a lot of people just really got fed up with it. Right, right, right. Now, what's your take on the whole Rhonda, Misha, Edmund, Caraway uh, feud? <clears throat> you know, I think it's cool to play pranks on each other when it's kind of a mutual thing you guys are actually friends and you guys can get along and you can have fun with it um i think knowing that there's so much tension there and you guys practically genuinely hate each other for whatever reason that you shouldn't continue doing what they're doing i think uh as far as nation and them they kind of carried it overboard just playing their pranks behind their backs and whatnot and then Rhonda and them just it was constantly drama i mean they just always wanted to fight they always wanted to yell at each other they always made their comments and it's just like okay you guys aren't here for each other you're here for the athletes and you should focus on what everybody what we're trying to do and be our coaches and help us and instead of just being overbearing with all the drama and whatnot, yeah it did seem that, it, it did seem that way it did seem that 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 um you know it, it did seem in a way that that ronda was kind of like you know she was sort of coming across in a way of like, you know, giving Misha the finger at the end and this, but it seemed like that, uh, that, that Misha was instigating it. Like she was the whole Edmund count and the, the whole unibrow and, and this and that. It seemed like she was doing backhanded things to get to just piss Rhonda off. Yeah. You know, I'd have to agree with that. I think that it was just, it was dumb. I mean, it would have been different if it's, all of us athletes and we're playing pranks on each other because we're living with each other and we get along with each other and whatnot and we're just having fun with it and just kind of catching each other off guard but the fact that they're sitting there and they'll sneak in and put things in the locker room or Rhonda and them are chasing down the coaches and they're all starting fights or at the bar when Rhonda got all close to Brian and was talking her stuff and it just went back and forth I mean it was just if it wasn't Misha it was Rhonda if it wasn't Rhonda it was Misha and it was just it was dumb yeah, no, and it's got to be for us. I mean, I can understand it if you're like 19 years old and you're just starting out, and it's kind of exciting. But like someone like you, you've had you've had six fights. You've you know you've you're, this is this is your whole living. Not that it's not everyone else's living, but this is it. You know, so I could see why you'd be like, all right, I'm here to win the show. 
it didn't seem like you were really messing around, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, hey, look, I'm happy you're engaged. I want to, first of all, you don't follow me on Twitter. That's complete BS, all right? You, you I'm should, sorry, I'm sorry. I'll get there. You should be following <laughs> me on Twitter, number one. Uh, number two, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, you, you, you know, even though you're, you're, uh, you're uh, Team Fish, I, 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 I'm, I'm totally uh, supportive of that. And, uh, and you know, uh, good luck with everything. I, I, I think the, I think you. I think you're a great ambassador for the sport, and uh, I think you're 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 doing really well. And I'm I'm really proud of you, and I'm sure your parents are proud of you too. That really means a lot. Thank you. So good luck with everything, and I hope to hear from you soon. Thank you. Hey, I'm here with Seer Bahudara. What's up, Seer? Hey, what's up, Adam? Cool. How's everything going, man? Great, great. Thank you. How are you, man? Good, good, good. Now, uh, now, if people at home that don't know, Seer actually came to my comedy show with Mayhem uh, about a year ago, and uh, we hung out afterwards, and you are probably the craziest person I've met in my entire life, in a good way, in a good way, but uh, <laughs> you made Mayhem look, look sane, just so you know. I could... I could say that about you too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you could definitely say that. <laughs> now, now you're the only fighter that I was actually legitimately scared of. Um, when uh, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be scared of all the fighters, but when I was when Mayhem broke into a church naked, he went uh-huh. into a church naked and with a fire extinguisher. Uh, I wrote a couple jokes, you know, and the jokes I wrote like, you know, Mayhem's now gonna host Bible Beatdown, and and you know, he he was there for five minutes and gassed out and fell asleep. And Seer, who's Mayhem's training partner, wrote, you are dead. I'm going to kill you. And I was like, Jesus. And I actually texted you and said, I actually called you at home. And I said, hey, man, uh, these are just jokes. And you're like, it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, Jesus. I was actually scared for my life. I actually went out and bought seven pit bulls, just so you know. Uh, And um, was actually No, the thing was. The thing was, it happened. It, the, the thing with Mayhem, uh, I mean, he's like a bigger brother for me. Uh, I've been around uh, him for 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 months, and uh, we have a great bond. The thing, the thing was that the thing that happened with Mayhem in the church, it caught me by surprise. And all of a sudden, I came on Twitter and I saw your jokes about it. Then I was like, "Man, what is this, what is he talking about? Why you make why why is he making these jokes without even knowing what happened?" So I was like, "Man, can you please stop joking uh, joking around?" I, I I don't think I told I told no, you that no, I'll no, kill I, you. No, no, I think you did if, say. If, if, I think you did Adam, say. If I wanted stop. to kill you, I wouldn't tell it. I wouldn't say it on Twitter. I would just show up. That's a, good, that's a very good point. I think you did say please stop, <laughs> but I think that was actually scarier than I'll kill you. Um. So, uh, but yeah, no. May first of all, I I. What happened was I texted Mayhem. I said, "Are you all right, brother?" And he said, "Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's cool." Mm-hmm. And then I wrote jokes. I, I you know, I, it was one of those things where I, I know, I, I, know. I, I, I know. checked. I, out it just, part. it just caught me by surprise, and I, I think I overreacted a little bit. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Now you're, um, now that you're, you're now you're one of, you're a very, you're a very special, special person, man. You, you, you grew up in Afghanistan as a Muslim, correct? True. Uh, 15 years you were in Afghanistan. What was that like growing up in Afghanistan? Uh, well, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, tough is all I can say. I mean, uh, it's, it's constant pressure, constant excitement. You wake up, uh, just living by the day. Nobody thinks about tomorrow because, because you do not believe in tomorrow. 
and that's that that built something inside your that 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 built your system and that's the the, the years that I've been in Afghanistan those years I've lived in a certain way and uh, my system is built and I cannot change it now and I still live the way the certain way that certain way that I, that my system is built in Afghanistan I just live by the day and I don't think about tomorrow now I mean it was the kind of thing I mean how was it like going to school were you were you dodging explosions I mean was it was it <laughs> Uh, well, like? there were when there were fights, when there were uh, war, civil war, the schools would be uh, off, so we wouldn't go to school. But uh, it happened many times that we were in a class and um, the war broke loose, and we couldn't go home. We were stuck at school, and it was it was just yeah, business as usual. It happened very often. At uh, at first first few times, I remember as a young kid, uh, I was like, oh man, nice, we trapped we trapped here at school. And then hours later, we went home, and I was happy. But uh, later on, uh, when the war broke loose, we would we would just sit in a class and not go out and in the breaks, and just it was a normal thing. We would just wait till the, till the war was over, and we would go home. It was a normal thing. I mean, did you see a lot of your friends like uh, pass away? A lot of family members, a lot of cousins. I mean, what was that? Was it? Yeah, well, um, yeah, a few friends, a few friends that I was playing uh, as a, as a little kid at uh, at the streets. Um, I mean, we 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 weren't scared of bullets. We were only scared of rockets and bombs. I mean, bullets were flying all over every day, so we would just play outside. And every time the the war broke loose, we would just hide for half an hour, and it would it would get a little bit less, and then we start play, playing again. And uh, it happened that my friends uh, got shot. Yeah, they got shot, and the next day, uh, me and other friends knocked on his door to come out and play. And uh, her mother, his mother, uh, cried that he he's not there anymore, and he got shot. Or uh, he was sitting at home, and all of a sudden, a bullet hit him in the head or somewhere. Yeah, it happened a few times that I lost uh, friends in wow. Afghanistan at a young age. That's that's insane. So so did you did, now? How did you get so good at fighting? Did you was there you were like Afghanistan state champion wrestling? I mean, was there? No, you, no, no, no. I didn't even train in Afghanistan when I when I came to Holland. Um, I was looking for something to uh, to to get rid of the en- the negative energy that I had, or, or or should I say the excitement that I was used to in Afghanistan, and all of a sudden coming here. I didn't feel the same excitement as I used to feel in Afghanistan. It's it's hard to it's it's if you, if you haven't been through something like that, it's hard to imagine how that would feel. Like for me, going to school, I had I had great grades. I mean, I spoke, I learned the Dutch language in a few months, and uh, later started uh, studying German and all other languages. I speak six languages now. Wow! And the thing was with the school, school was easy. It was boring for me. I didn't have any challenge on the side. I was always looking for another challenge that uh, is actually primitive, that uh, gives me the same kind of excitement that I was used to in Afghanistan. So uh, then I started looking for something, a fight sport, that uh, excited me and I always wanted to do something back in the days like 12 13 years ago MMA was not as popular as it is now right but uh, I wanted to do something that uh, it's better than bo- that is better than boxing and wrestling and when one day I went to this gym in in the city that I lived in Holland and I saw uh, this uh, the sport MMA shooto and I was like man this is my sport I want to start here uh, but then I started training like two, three times a week till 2007. 
And 2007, I went to Japan, uh, had the chance to fight for a Shuto belt. And I won the Shuto uh, light heavyweight uh, belt in Japan. And after that, I started tra- taking training seriously. Before that, I was training like two, three times a week. But then I started taking training seriously. And uh, since 2007, I've been fighting professionally and uh, thus far. No, you've been killing it. I mean, uh, you know, you knocked out, uh, you know, Paul Tiago one round. You knocked out John Alessio one round. You, uh, you've, you've been, I mean, you, you've been on a tear. Uh, the, last, the, la- the last fight against, against uh, Kim, were you shocked by his wrestling? Was, did that surprise you? Or did you get a little, did you get a little, uh, were you get, you fall in love with your power a little too much? What was, what do you think went wrong there? Uh, well, it was, it was a combination of things, but I do not want to take the shine out of, uh, Kim's victory because uh, that my victory up until that time was his uh, best victory. I mean, uh, he, uh, he 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 never fought, fought somebody with my power, and uh, uh, he did a great job of taking me down. But there 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 were some factors that played in that fight, and I do not want to talk about it. But people might take it as excuses, so I'll right. keep it to myself. And if we ever square off again. Um, not the me outcome and you. will be different. You, you, you and Kim, right? Not me and you. Cause I, 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 no, I, I, no, me and your friends. No, <laughs> oh, me and Kim. Okay. <laughs> now, by the way, you showed me some of the pictures of the girls that you've been banging. These are some of the hottest girls I've ever seen in my life. Like Miss Turkey, Miss Hungry, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Amsterdam. I, I mean, what, what is your, what is your secret? I mean, what, I mean, what do you, what do you, how do you do that? <laughs> People, I mean, did I really do that? I don't remember. Maybe, maybe I have. I don't know. But um, the thing is, uh, people, people love stupid and ugly fighters. <laughs> I mean, most most UFC fighters will relate relate to this. I mean, people people love women. Actually, they don't. Real women, pretty women, and smart women, they don't go for looks. I think. <laughs> That's what I think. They they go for 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 manlyhood. I, I think, think you're also fearless. I think you are also. I think growing up the way you grew up, what you had to go. I'm through, confident. I'm confident. Com- I mean, girls like confident guys. They walk up to them and talk to them, and yeah, you know. No, it's true. I I actually I, I've like seen you in action. You're you're like a beast. You're, you're <laughs> unbelievable. Now uh, now I have to say. So now you're training over in Amsterdam. You were with the Black Zillions for a while. We had Anthony. True. We had we had uh, Anthony Johnson. Uh, on our podcast, talk about how Overeem wasn't a black zillion. He wasn't. He wouldn't like train with these guys. He would kind of did his own thing. What's your whole take on the whole Overeem? Why are you not with the black zillions anymore? What's going on? I am with the black zillions. Oh, you are. I with am the with the black zillions. Yes, okay. I am with the black zillions. The, the thing is that I'm here in Holland now. Yeah. I'm working on uh, some other things. I last time I was um, in, I was got, I was going to fight Robbie Lawler and and Fox. On Fox Guard, but then I got injured. Right. So I came to Holland for treatment, and, and now I did all the things that I wanted to do. I trained uh, some striking more, some wrestling with Iranian wrestlers, and uh, also some jiu-jitsu with some black belts. And now I'm ready to go back to U.S. and train, train with my team, Black Zillion, Black Zillions. And um, well, the thing with Overeem was that Overeem. Uh, had his own uh, little camp that he wanted to do. He wanted to train alone, 
and he didn't uh, like to train with a group. I don't know. I don't know the reason because I think he was heavyweight and he wanted to spar only with heavyweights or whatsoever. So he had his own little camp inside the Black Zillions camp. He he was training alone and he had his own trainers and he he would shut off his trainings. I think those things kind of uh, worked on the nerves of of other Black Zillions. Right. Which yeah. Which well, it's it's both sides. I I could understand both sides, Alistair and Black Zillions, and the other guys and the Black Zillions. Right. So um, he's like the black sheep. I mean, I'm of fine. The black Zillions. He's like the black squared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has his own way of training and his own uh, way of uh, his own philosophy on training in MMA and everything. Yes. Right now, uh, now how how is it training with like Rashad and those guys? Yeah, I've trained with. I haven't trained with Rashad a lot. I have. I've trained with him a few times. I mean, um, you you only learn from guys like Rashad and uh, Dan and uh, Vitor Belfort and all the other guys. Right. Um, they're awesome. They're awesome. I mean, I learn every day at Brazilian's gym, and uh, training is really great at my weight. I mean, we have we have great guys: George Santiago, Jesse Cavalcanti. Uh, uh, I forgot his name. The guy at Bellator who's fighting at 170, at 155. Uh, oh, I didn't Eddie, know. Eddie Alvarez. Uh, Eddie Alvarez. Uh, sorry. Alvarez yeah. And then, uh, Eddie Alvarez. And many other great, great fighters who also fight in the UFC, uh, like Abel and uh, Yuri, uh, Danilo. All these guys, they're, they're great fighters. And I, I, I have the, the honor to train with these guys on a daily basis. So I, for me, it's, it's, the, it's, it's an ideal camp. I have, I have a question from Sherdog, which is, uh, if, would you be willing to fight another Korean Hyungyu Lim. Uh, I will fight anybody. I will fight anybody at the welterweight division, regardless of their name, regardless of their status, regardless of their experience. I'm a fighter. I'm paid. UFC signed me a contract to fight in the UFC. He didn't write names on my contract. So I will fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. Just just hit me up. Yes, of course I will fight them. I believe you. Now, you're, they, you, got, you got a fight coming up with John Howard, uh, who actually just beat Uriah Hall. Um, I thought Uriah kind of, they kind of, was a, a lot of high fives are in that fight. Maybe a little too much yeah. mutual respect. Um, but, you know, John Howard's a guy who was in the UFC. He got cut. He's now working his way back. He actually uh, broke the terrorist nose, the Boston Bombers nose in, in, in uh, training. That's it. That was, he was on TV about that. How are you training mm-hmm. for John Howard? Uh, I don't train. I don't train any, any different for any fighter. I mean, um, my way of fighting is uh, I don't. I don't have game plans. I just go to scrap. I go to fight, and uh, I don't train. I, I don't train any different uh, for this fight. Uh, I always train jujitsu, wrestling, and striking. I train all aspects of MMA. But the the thing is that I do not want to go to the ground. I mean, I want to finish fights on the feet. It, people come and pay to see fights. Uh, people getting knocked out. And a nice submission is nice, but most people doesn't even, don't even understand what a, what a submission is on the ground, the, the mainstream. So people, people like to see knockouts, and that's what I want to pay them. I mean, pay the, what, the money worth and knock people out in, in, a, in a savage way. See, so you just win. Just win, buddy. Just win. Don't worry. I mean, I, 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 that's where I, I kind of disagree. I love seeing a knockout, but if you got, but if I got, but if you got to grind out, I got to win. You got to, you got to do what you got to do. You know. True. I agree. I agree. But then, um, it's it's all up to it's all up to the to the instinct that a fighter has. I never have that. I've never had that instinct to to win to win just win. I've always, uh, even if even if I'm ahead on points, I'll always be looking for the finish. Right. I might I might even if they catch me. 
uh, ahead on points with something, knock me out. I would still, I would still won't worry about not looking for the finish. I mean, I would, I would still be happy looking for the finish. I don't care about. Uh, I mean, fighting is fighting. I, I will not fight to just win. I will fight to win impressively. I that's that's why I love seeing you fight, man. Uh, dude, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. What are you are you coming back to California anytime soon? Sure, I think so. I will. Uh, after my fight, I'll stay a little bit longer, and I'll also visit some friends in California. Well, thank you for having me, man. Are you kidding, man? You're you're. you're no, you're, I'll come to one of your shows definitely. Thank you. I'll come to one of your uh, your comedian thing so i appreciate that man you are an inspiration and uh and i will always watch you fight man thank you very much and keep banging keep banging miss hungry (laughs) that's a long time ago all right man take care take care Bye. bye hello hello is this joe mccorkle this is the one and only what's up brother how's it going it's going, it's going, man. How you doing? You're on the podcast. Uh, I, I, I saw you almost three weeks ago at my show. That was a, that was a crazy experience. First of all, you looked huge. You looked, you looked absolutely yeah. huge. Uh, it was almost like I was taking steroids or something. Oh, almost like you were taking steroids or something. Exactly. Uh, and and you, you came and then you came to the show and I was like asking, you know, about then somebody like picked on our friend who was like a nerdy guy. And you got in this right. kid's face, and then you told him that you were gonna beat him up and then bang him, and, and, right. I, and I never saw any more, anyone more scared in their entire life. Yeah, that was actually you know when I'm really upset when I start threatening to forcefully uh, make love to someone. Um, that's how you know I'm really upset. Um, it turns out you can't say that to women. Um, they don't think when you're in a fight or an argument, but uh, when you say it to a man, there's no more way, in my opinion, to show who's the boss. Um, in a relationship, then um, you know, especially man to man relationship, than that. So it was at a no college bar, and these college kids, like some kid was trying to go to the bathroom, and he picked on this nerdy kid with glasses. And next thing you know, McCork, you're wearing a tight affliction shirt. You you, <laughs> yeah. you, you look like you may have uh, been taking steroids, and, and then you got in <laughs> someone's face. And I never saw anyone uh, take a dump so fast in my life. It was um, and then, and then you said, and then afterwards you said you wanted to continue to like beat the, I, I, I had to kind of restrain you in a way cause you really wanted yeah, to fight was, that guy. I was, I was a little upset. I, um, I was, uh, holding on to that anger longer than Paul Harris holds on to people's legs. Right. <laughs> but no, I, uh, actually, I didn't ever tell you this after I dropped you back off the hotel, I went and looked for the guy again still. Really? Um, because, yeah, because I was kind of horny, you know, and I was thinking, you know, I'm not too late to meet a girl at this point, so I'm just joking. Now, <laughs> no, I hate a bully, man. Absolutely hate a bully. Like, I cannot stand that. Um, and that dude, that dude was really nice, the, the yeah, nerdy but, kid, and the other guy was, you know, just bullying him because he didn't know he was with us and made me really mad. So what else do you do at that point than threaten to uh, forcefully have sex with someone? So Absolutely. Now you, uh, now you went to Poland the week after. Uh, we saw what happened against Pudzianowski. It seemed like it seemed like you got a little tired in that fight. Uh, but 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 Can't you, imagine that. <laughs> but you said training camp went went really well. Yeah, you have to say that. I lie about that every time. Uh, it went terribly. I had no one to trade with this time at all. Uh, Matt Mitchell is my main training partner. He's mostly in Miami now. Uh, all my other guys kind of crapped out on me repeatedly. So um, I probably trained. I don't know, four or five times total for that fight, other than, I mean, lifting weights and doing cardio, which apparently doesn't help. Um, But, yeah, I had no one to train with at all for that fight, and if I'm being honest, I thought he would gas so early 
Um, I didn't think it would be an issue either way. And I mean, he was tired 45 seconds into our last fight. Um, what about so going to really like the, much, What about going to the Minnesota what, wrestling team or something and going training with those guys? Man, I've got joint custody of my little kids. I can go places and train. Um, I can even go down to the Black Zillions and train where Matt's at. But uh, I've got joint custody of my little kids, and I've got them three days one week and four days the next, and it just doesn't. I'm not in a position where I can leave them for weeks at a time, you know. So, right, just can't do that. So yeah, I'm pretty much uh, here on my own or whoever will train with me. But especially this time, for whatever reason, I couldn't get anybody. I mean, I had a guy, 135 pound fighter, who was willing to work out with me every day, um, and I was like, yeah, that's not really going to help me much against. Uh, Kujanowski, who might also take steroids. I'm not sure. Like, I started to wonder when I saw him on the scale. I was thinking, I'm starting to wonder if that guy maybe doesn't take steroids. So, do, do you think the fact that you know. might have taken steroids in this fight may have hurt you a little bit as far as gas-wise? Uh, I think it never helps anybody um, add muscle on like that. Um, you know, but I, I never, never dreamed that, that I would get fired faster than him. I mean, I'm, he turned purple when he fought um, Tim Sylvia about two minutes in. So, Never dreamed in my life that uh, I would. I mean, I get tired fast, but uh, my, my, my cardio has been terrible no matter what. Even when I played basketball in college, my cardio was terrible. So I probably have some undiagnosed heart condition or maybe that new strain of untreatable gonorrhea or something uh, that's killing my cardio. But uh, it doesn't matter how much I train, what I do, or whatever, I'm going to be tired two minutes into a fight no matter what. It's just, um, just the way it's going to be. You still almost had the Kimura in the second, though. You almost pulled it off. I thought you were going to pull it off. I did, man. Yeah, I had it. And it he was just slippery and wet and. Unfortunately, he knew to either he knew or got lucky. He rolled out of it, which I didn't expect either, because he has virtually no jujitsu at all. Um, so he rolled out of it and it slipped off. And then, uh, yeah, I, I thought I had him at that point. He was locked up. I thought, well, at least I'm still going to win. Um, and it turns out I was wrong. Um, it was nice. So MMA fighting reported that I uh, didn't answer the bell for the third round, even though there was no third round. It was uh, they, by their request to schedule two round fight. Um, the third round was only going to happen if the judges had it even, but. Uh, they reported, and everybody jumped all over it, that I quit and wouldn't wouldn't fight after the second round, which will never happen. Like, I will never, I would have fought 10 rounds. I don't know how well I would have fought, but I will never quit in a fight, no matter what. No, I was, dude, I, I was honestly, uh, I was pretty upset watching that fight, because I hung out the week before, and I, and I thought, you know, I thought you were going to win, and I still think you'll beat him again. If you guys have a, a, a rubber match, I think you win the rubber match. I, th- I just think you got to get a little more serious about the training, you know? You gotta, you gotta, I mean, you got to get better guys in there with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I took it for granted. I'm not gonna lie. I took uh, I took for granted that uh, I would beat him, and I was better this time than I was last time. But the fight didn't go. He was much, much better. He obviously took this very serious because he was considerably better um, this time than last time. Um, now, now, by you know, the way, an awesome story. What was that? I, all right, I was just thinking about this this morning. When I woke up for some reason. I thought, hey, this would be great for the show. How much time do we have? It's gonna be about five minutes. That's okay. It's okay. Five minutes is good. Okay. All right, I've got a friend, right, who had this cat um, for like 20 years or 15 years, and the cat gets cancer, I guess. I'm, I'm just assuming he he decided the cat had cancer. I don't think they went through the full screening. But he has to move houses, and he needs to he needs to get rid of this cat, you know, because it's dying, and he doesn't want to go. He's kind of hurting for money. He doesn't want to go pay to have the cat killed, right? Right. Have to put to sleep. So he just decides he's going to shoot the cat. So... He takes the cat out in the backyard, and he's got a pistol, and he's, like, looking at it. He kind of lives out in the country, and he doesn't have the heart to do it, really, so he kind of looks away and just pulls the trigger. He misses the cat, and the cat runs away. So it takes him about five minutes to chase the cat back down and get it again. He gets a calm back down, sits it back down, does the same thing. Reaches, like, looks away, pulls the trigger, misses the cat again. The cat really runs this time. I mean, it's already had two attempts on its life, right? Right. So this, by this time, he's irritated that this cat won't come to him, so he finally goes and grabs it, kind of gets a hold of it, 
pulls it over there. This time he's like looking out of the corner of his eye, kind of like half watching himself shoot at this cat. He shoots at the cat again. The bullet grazes the cat. So at this point, the cat goes into fight or flight mentality, right? Right. The cat decides to fight. Like the cat's had enough. You've already tried to shoot me three times. The cat then attacks my friend for trying to shoot him again. So my friend, as the cat tries to attack him, my friend who, as I said, didn't have the heart to shoot the cat to watch it, then pistol whips the cat to death oh. uh, and killed it that way. Did you find that ironic? Because that made me laugh this morning when I was thinking about it. Not that a cat died, <laughs> but I thought it was pretty funny that he didn't have the heart to shoot the cat, but he had no problem bludgeoning it. This is death. a true story? That really happened, yeah. Oh, really happened. man. That's terrible. I, I, I love cats. <laughs> oh, well. That made me more depressed but... than your last fight, dude. I'm actually more... No, but... This has just been a... All right, okay. So... I don't know why I thought of this morning when I woke up, but for whatever reason, that was making me laugh this morning. That, well, that's... All right, all right. Speaking of making me laugh, the, the McCorkle Comedy Minute. Uh, have you working on the jokes? Yeah, I've got a few of them. You ready for them? L- let's hear them. You know, there's been big news, man. I've been watching this whole thing play with Bellator and the UFC... Uh, with Ben Askren, um, you know, I kind of feel for the guy um, because, you know, he's in a position where it's kind of like nobody wants him. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the Bellator would take him, but they're not really going to make an offer until the UFC does, and it's back and forth. And uh, I saw an uh, interview with Ben Askren uh, the other day, and he said all he can really do is just uh, lay and pray that it all works out. <laughs> um, and uh, I also heard, um, you know, with all the recent drama he's gone through and stuff, obviously it'll depend on how this works out, but they, they were originally thinking about making a life story, you know, a movie about his life story, uh, until directors pointed out that they've already made that movie, and it was called Mask, the Ron- Rocky Dennis story. <laughs> so, doesn't like, he look just like Rocky Dennis? He d- the hair, I, I mean, I'm not just like it, but I could definitely see the resemblance. Yeah, okay. The other big story, obviously, everyone's talking about is Paul Harris and Mike Pierce in that fight the other night. Um, I thought it was really unnecessary. I didn't think they would make as big a deal, um, you know, about it as they had. You know, um, UFC's been cutting, you know, I mean, a lot of people. I mean, I guess if you're going to cut Okami just for winning most of his fights, you're going to cut Paul Harris for doing that. But it got me thinking. I was like, man, the UFC cuts people more unfairly than O.J. Simpson um, <laughs> after they did that. And then uh, I was also, you know, I was feeling for Pierce, man, because I've been in heel hooks before. Those really, really hurt. Um, and... I was walking, uh, watching Pierce trying to get out of that, and I was thinking, man, I haven't seen anybody looking that desperately way for, for a, <laughs> damn it, I haven't seen anybody looking that desperately for a way out since Kurt Cobain. Oh, that would have been oh, way better if I hadn't oh, messed it up. Oh, Kurt Cobain. You don't, love, oh. you don't love Kurt Cobain like you do Cassidy, if you know I feel better. That story was true. That was funny. No, no, you are funny, story. dude. You are you 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 constantly text me funny jokes, man. You're like uh, <laughs> the other day you texted me. Yeah, I had a threesome, but it was the wrong combination. It was me, a dude, and a dude. That was really funny. Yeah. And then you said uh, someone took your Ambien on, on on the plane. I don't know how they sleep at night. You had you have some very funny one-liners. And then the texts between you and women are the funniest texts. You should really post these texts between you and girls. They're the most disturbing, yeah. funniest things I've ever read. <laughs> I constantly laugh. Like you're, you're a very, a- <laughs> very funny guy, McCorkle. Uh, I think you I have- got in trouble. I got in trouble on a text one time by the UFC. I got kind of mad because I was talking to a Native American girl at the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, texting her back and forth. And I mean, we weren't really dating, but kind of started hanging out. And she happened to mention she's on her college rowing team. And I said, wow, I bet you can canoe like And... I put that post on Twitter, the picture of the text, and it was not uh, 
it was not well received by the UFC. I think I remember getting a text from Joe Silva that said, uh, Sean, can you do me a favor? I said, anything you want, Joe. And he said, can you stop saying racist in interviews on Twitter? Yeah, I get, and I get so I do I didn't really know what to say, so I just said, "What if it's really funny, though, Joe?" Like that's what I texted back. But so, what's but what's what's your motto on uh, on uh, racism? You have like a motto about that. Do you, do you put? Yeah, on? it's my my famous quote by me is, "I don't tolerate racism of any kind. Racism is a crime." And my other one is, "There's two things I can't stand: racism and interracial dating." <laughs> You're ridiculous, man. Which, I'm dating I'm dating a Brazilian right now. Which, if you've never done that, you definitely should try it before you die. But uh, just start dating a Brazilian girl, and she has uh, changed my mind on a lot of things in life. So. Like. That's, uh, yeah, but I got one more joke if you want to hear it. Yeah, last, the last joke, the, the, the big last closer, joke. the big closer. I don't know if this is the closer or not, but we'll see. I was just thinking, you know, about we were talking about Paul Harris or whatever, uh, and I really do feel for the guy, man, because there's not a lot of options out there, especially since, you know, Bellator said they don't want him, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, we, him and I have a lot in common. Like, we're both jiu-jitsu guys. Um, you know, we both are known for, you know, pretty nasty submissions. Um, both of us take steroids. And uh, neither of us will ever fight in the UFC again. So uh, well, you, a lot of, uh, you never know, man. You put together a, a, a little streak, and uh, you know, you never know, man. Yeah, I don't even know that I want to go back, man. If I'm being honest, why go get fight the best dudes in the world if I'm getting paid the same? Actually, I was going to say to beat up people, but I keep losing, so that isn't working out. So no, well. you won the time before. You lo- you lo- you lost one. You 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 won a one against 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 putts. Uh, but yeah, I, I wish they would do a third, but I'm not counting on it. But uh, we got to get uh, we, we got we got Baroni calling in, uh, McCorkle. You okay. are you are a brilliant man, and uh, I will talk to you soon, brother. All right, tell Baroni I love him. I will. I will do that. All right, man. Take See care. You. Hello. It's just a New York badass. Hey. What's up? What's up, man? How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. You having a good week? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, pretty good. All right, well, it's time for our segment of That Story's Baroni. Uh, I hear you got a great Vanderlei Silva story. Yeah, man, I, I lost my, my, my train of thought last week on the show. <laughs> uh, I was going to tell this story, you know, especially with the Vanderlei Chill incident. But uh, I, I lost my train of thought. I, I spent too many uh, minutes in the slot bar. Yeah, well, what, what, weren't you, like, playing poker or something? Are you playing slot machines? Yeah, I was playing playing poker and I hit, hit a royal for the first time. I mean, I've, I've been putting between 20 and 100 bucks in, in the slot machine every time I go for the past 10 years and I finally hit a royal, so I was kind of celebrating. <laughs> it's okay. You you are forgiven. It was still a great story. People that, that listen to it, they, they they think you're a classic. Dude. You, you, I don't think All you right, realize cool. how, how beloved you are in the MMA world. You, you, are, you are one of a kind, dude. Well, I really appreciate it. If I am, I don't. I don't realize it as much as I think I. I don't realize it that much. Put it that way. Well, you should. So, so what happened with uh, with uh, Vandalay? Okay. Well, what happened was, man. I'll give you the short version. So, so I'm over in Japan with Coleman. It's just me, Coleman, and his old man. What West Sims and Randleman couldn't make it. They were training for fights. Right. So it's just so it's me, Coleman, his old man. We're over there. And we're prepping, you know. We're over there, I think, ten days in advance. And we're getting ready. We're watching, we're watching all Shogun's past fights at, at this little bar. Look, we're gonna have all the pro wrestling and all the MMA fights on tape. So we're studying Shogun, figure out how to how to beat him. Right. And uh, you know, we we get so confident. Coleman ends up calling my my friend 
our friend Joey Odessa betting betting some money on himself. So, you know, this is going to be a big fight. You know, there's a lot on the line here, a lot of pride. It's Coleman's last fight on on his contract. He's betting on himself that he's going to win before renegotiating. And, uh, you know, we're over there, just me. Just Coleman, his old man's there. You know, it's a stressful situation. So, he makes that bet. He makes he makes the bets. On, not, not, there's a lot of riding on this fight. There's, there's a ton of riding on the fight. So we get in the ring, and uh, the game plan is to take him down. You know, we think that Shogun can't stop a double leg, especially if you cut You know, if you get a signal and cut off to the double, and finish the yeah. take down that way. Well, Coleman's got a monster double leg. What? Coleman's double leg is insane. Insane, insane. But it's even better when he when he grabs the single first and it cuts off to the double. Right. Uh, almost unstoppable. So that's what he ends up doing. He ends up, you know, the, the fight goes, we have one in the fight, it's just me and him there, you know, stressful situation. Uh, Shootbox has all their guys there, so the whole team's there, and, uh, you know, back in the day, those, those guys were the guys. They were, they were, they were, they were running amok, you know, and, and you had, like, Stephen Quadros and those guys saying, and Boss Root and saying how crazy they are, you know, how they just came from the, the, the jungles of Brazil, you know what I mean? And that's the only, you know, that's, that's all I ever heard about these guys, all I've ever seen them, you know, Shogun and Vandal like, kicking dudes in the head on the ground. So so it's a scary fight, man. You, you definitely don't want to, you know, end up on the ground and getting your head kicked in by Shogun, and he's doing it a lot, you know? He's I mean, and the thing lot. is, so and if you're scared and, and you're the New York badass, then these guys must yeah. be really scary. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was stressed, you know what I mean? I, I was there alone. It was, it, was, it was a huge fight. It was a huge fight, and I had a lot of... You know, he Coleman had a lot at stake. So anyway, he gets in there and and, and he ends up taking him down and, br- and breaking his arm. And 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 the part that I wanted to tell last week was how different, you know, Vandalay Silver is nowadays. I guess you know he's a little older, calmed down, or we live in America, what it is. Right. To how he was back in Pride, because as soon as that happened, shoebox came in the ring. Coleman, threw, you know, the referee tries to grab Coleman. Coleman throws the ref off. You know, it's wild. He throws the ref. The ref goes flying. Ninja's in his face. Vandalay Silva climbs out from the audience. Front row seat. Climbs out from the audience. I'm trying to break up the fight. Pull Coleman back. Right. He comes out from the audience. Starts throwing bombs on Coleman. You know, sucker punches him. I, I, I take him down. I take him down. I take Vandalay down. Instantly. I let go of Coleman. I just take Vandalay down. And I'm looking up, I see Cordell, Rafael Cordell throw punches. I mean, give those guys credit. They all stick together. They're all trying to get us to throw Coleman. Coleman's throwing bombs. I'm holding Vandalay down. I'm throwing, I'm trying to, like, ground a pound Vandalay the best I can. And the next thing I know, Coleman, you see Coleman, and there's pictures on the internet right now. You can even look it up on YouTube. Coleman steps on Vandalay's neck. So I have a good shot. I have a clear shot. So I hit him with a right hand, and, and Coleman just stands on his neck. Vandalay's... Pinned on the ground, there's 20, 20 more people in the ring trying to trying to separate us, and Coleman's just standing on his neck, and and, and, and I'm, I'm I'm getting out of there a little bit, you know, I'm just getting out of there, get out of trouble, and I see Coleman just grab the ropes, just just grab the bottom or the middle rope and pulling up on it, just putting a little more, just putting a little more pressure on 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 Vandalay's neck, just choking him out, so the fight gets broken up. He gets broken up. We're out of the ring. We escape, and now it's not like America. You know, it's not like yeah. America. It's not like 
there's cops everywhere, you know, they're, they're keeping us separated. No, there's a cameraman following Vandalay Silva and Shogun around, and they're looking for us. And so it's just, it's just you, him, and, and, and like his what? dad. I know, what's Coleman's dad doing? Coleman's dad was was kicking Vandalay in the head, too. Yeah, I can't believe I left that out. When we had him down, Coleman's dad stood on the outside of the, ro- outside of the ropes, and he somehow had a clear shot, and he was throwing, he, he was kicking. So he was kicking Vandalay. He was kicking Vandalay in, in the head and in the shoulder. I, I was punching him, and Coleman was standing on his neck. We had him pinned there. You know, he, he came in the ring throwing bombs. I, I tackled him hard. You know, I, I slammed him. I bounced his head off the canvas. I, I probably rocked him because he didn't see me. You know, he didn't, he didn't see me coming. And I just started, you know, throwing punches. It was wild, and, and it was scary. So anyway, we get backstage, and Coleman's yelling. You know, we got we, we got a good locker room. You know, with it, it, it's Rampage Jackson, Overeem, and Coleman's yelling. You know. Where were you guys, man? We need you out there. You know, it's just me and Baroni. So I guess I'm small. And then, uh, and uh, and this old man. And the next thing, next thing you know, Vandalay and those guys are at our dressing room. Oh no! And, and, and they wanted to continue to fight. They they wanted to continue to fight. And there's nobody there to break it up. You know what I mean? In the UFC, this never would have happened. Burt Watson, the whole, the yeah. whole, he's just security. It never would have happened. But at all, at, at our room, we come out. It's me. Rampage, I think Overeem. Now, do those Maybe. guys have your back? Does Rampage and Overeem have your back? Or yeah, no? every, Rampage has our back. They, they were ready to fight, but we had such a good, you know, if it was me, Colin, and his dad, I think they would have just <laughs> bum riders brushed us and, and wrecked us right there. You know what I mean? And we never made it out of there alive. But, you know, it, it was me, Coleman, uh, Rampage, Overeem. Rampage Jackson, Overeem, and I think Barnett. So we had a, t- a tough crew. We that's like the real A-team them. right there. I mean, that's like the legitimate A-team. Yeah, that's the dream team. That's a really tough, that's a really tough team. But so, but it was against, yeah. but it was against Coleman. I mean, it was, it was against Shogun, Vanderlei. And Ninja. Ninja. And, and Cordero. And Cordero. That's a pretty, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean you, you guys outnumbered him. Punches too. I remember looking up and Cordero almost whacked me. I mean, so, so they were all down to fight, dude. You know what I mean? Oh, they were all man. down to fight until they seen us come out with Rampage and everyone else. And, I, and that's how it, I guess they realized, man, they were definitely outnumbered and we're all going to fight. You so know, did they just gonna, walk away after that? Fight. Did they just walk away and say, all right, everything's cool? Or No, I didn't walk away and everything's cool. He told me I'm dead. You know, I'm dead because I was punching him on the ground. And, you know, it, was, it definitely wasn't a... Uh, like a, a peaceful reconcile. It was definitely still on. You know what I mean? I was definitely really stressed the next time I was fighting over there. Oh my god! And, uh, now, now that, every time that, I went. Now oh. that that night, did you just just hang out with a bunch of Japanese girls and get it off your chest? Or I mean, was that? Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely. <laughs> I, I went to a couple of bars and I met a couple of girls. <laughs> Well, that's good. Well, that's good, dude. That was a classic Baroni story. I was a little, a, a little scared too when I was out because I, I never knew if they turned that corner anywhere in these bars. You know, I run into Vandalay Silva. That would have been really bad. Yeah. You holy, know? holy. Wow. It was a little stress that night. Well, Baroni, that was probably the greatest story I've ever heard in my entire life, man. Uh, I don't know. How, right, cool. I don't know how you're gonna top that story, but in two weeks we're gonna have you back on. This is my this is my new favorite segment, and uh, and and uh, thank you, man. Thank thank you for your time. Uh, no, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Keep up the great work, Phil. All right, man. Thanks. So that is our show. Thank you for listening to MMA Roasted. Uh, you guys, you guys have been great. 
uh, I don't know. I mean, hopefully you've been great. But uh, I've been great. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you, Fox Sports, for having me on your podcast uh, and uh, for working with you guys. Check out Text from Last Fight. Uh, check out AdamHunter.com. Check out MMA Roasted. Check out the Fox Sports website. I will be at the um, the Thursday night. Uh, where am I? I'm at the Ice House in Pasadena. Friday, I'm at the John Lovitz Club. Uh, next week, I'm, I'm in the Bahamas. And then I'm in Europe for the military doing a 12-day tour. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoy your week and uh, enjoy the fights.